Good morning, everyone. Uh, certainly glad to see you here, and uh, I'm, I'm thankful for the opportunity to, to speak with you this morning. Uh, Kevin and his family uh, took a weekend to go visit some friends, and so if you're visiting with us, um, I'm the youth pastor, actually, and so uh, you need to come back and catch us on another Sunday when our pastor's here. Um, but I'm um, glad to be here. A couple of things to make you aware of. Um, one, Mike Lofton did not forget that he was supposed to read scripture. Uh, I'd actually asked, uh, since I was speaking, I asked one of our students to, to, uh, to read the scripture for us this morning. So I'm thankful that Addison did that. And, um, and by way of announcement about youth, we have a Bible study starting, a six-week Bible study starting this evening at 4 o'clock for students. It's, we're going to be walking through the book of James. And so if you are um, available to come with us the next uh, six weeks, if you're a, a youth, then uh, we'll be here in, in the Fellowship Hall at uh, 4 o'clock. We'll get done around 5 to uh, 5.30, somewhere around there. It depends on how long the lessons go. So uh, that's tonight. Also, another couple announcements you need to know of. Keith Campbell, a former youth uh, minister from this church and missionary with um, uh, Global Scholars, he is going to be in town. He's in town now, and he's actually going to be here on Wednesday to speak to everyone, uh, all the adults in, in our, our prayer service down in the Fellowship Hall. And so he's going to be here for about um, for a little bit. And so he'll give a report of what's going on with Global Scholars. If you're like, I don't know what that is, well, come and find out. Come here from Keith. Uh, he's a great guy to know, and he'll get to share a little bit. We also, uh, this Wednesday night, will have a, a Q&A time to discuss the, the changes to our budget. Um, after the sale of our downtown campus, the budget was amended, and, and so there'll be a Q&A time after Keith speaks this Wednesday, uh, starting at 6. So uh, just letting you know, next Sunday, we'll vote by ballot on that budget. Now, if you would, find in your copy of God's Word, Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. And we're going to start in verse 19, and we're going to just finish out the chapter. So, find Luke chapter 16, verse 19. This is a parable that Jesus gave um, in the audience of several Pharisees. And it's, it's kind of a tagged on to a, a, a bigger teaching that he was doing at the time. But it's a very interesting parable uh, with a lot of layers and things that we get to kind of chew on and digest this morning. So um, I hope you'll jump in here with me. Starting in verse 19. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. I like that word, sumptuously. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things, and Lazarus, in like matter, bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed, in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. 
But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to them, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Will you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the occasion to gather together, Lord. Um, really, as a church, Lord, any excuse will do. We are thankful to get together, Lord. We are thankful to come to you and worship together, to lift up one voice and praise us, Lord, to, to come to you with attentive ears to worship you in your word. I thank you, God, that you have given us this gift. I thank you that we have an opportunity to learn from it, Lord. And, and like I said earlier, there's so many layers in this. We can look at it today. And God, you, I pray that you will give us what we need. But God, it's so rich that we can go to it tomorrow, and, and yet you'll have something for us there too. I thank you for your word and the blessing that it is to us, Lord. I thank you for uh, the power of, of your word and your will. Lord, I thank you that we can truly and, and trustfully lean on you in all circumstances. And so God, I pray that we will make that a habit, that we will come to you faithful, um, and, and God, as we do, Lord, I know what we'll discover. We'll discover how steadfast your love is and how never-ending uh, your faithfulness is. And I thank you that we, we know that, Lord, and I pray that we will experience it throughout our days this week as we go forth and uh, see what you have for us in the coming days. We love you very much. I pray you'll be with each person here. Uh, just be with them, Lord, in a special way. Touch them. Help them be reassured of your presence with them personally and of your work in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so uh, this, this parable, one, it reminds me of, if you grew up in choir, you probably started humming something that you may have heard in, 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 in choir growing up. There's a spiritual that I think every high school sang when I was in choir uh, of this parable about Lazarus coming, dip your finger in the water and, and cool my tongue because for I'm for, uh, tormented in the flame. Uh, and so this is familiar to me in many ways, not because I've just heard it when I was growing up, but also even I've sung it. But it is a strange little parable. It is one of a very vivid imagery, very vivid circumstance. And uh, I just kind of want to walk through it with you for a minute. And then we're going we're gonna, to uh, take, take some takeaways from it. So there was a rich man. The rich man is not named. And, uh, but people have given him a name because... Uh, the rich man translated into Latin is dives, D-I-V-E-S. And so maybe it's dives, I don't know, I'm not a Latin person, um, but it's dives. And so some people have traditionally actually called this guy dives. Um, and so uh, we may refer to him as that this morning, but know that he is not named. And so there's this rich man, and he is in purple. He is very rich. He is, purple was a very... Um, a very uh, costly fabric to get in, in New Testament times. And, and to get it, you had to have wealth. And to have it on display, usually it meant you were someone of prominence too. Uh, someone of societal importance. Not, so not only did you have money, but there was position there too, most likely. And he liked to eat. Amen. So he liked, I mean, he liked to eat sumptuously. I mean, that, this is something that we can relate to, right? Uh, he, he liked his food and... And so he was living well. And then there was Lazarus. Lazarus was the, the very opposite of him. Lazarus was laid at his gate. So it, Lazarus couldn't even get there himself. Someone brought Lazarus to his gate. And we don't have to think, we can conjecture who this was. 
but even in today's society, you may see things like this. There's actually some really um, heartwarming clips and heartbreaking at the same time of, of even homeless people in today's society helping one another out, um, giving, being given something, and then they distribute it among others. There's, there's a brotherhood there. So it's very likely that it was just someone else who was begging that would place Lazarus at this man's gate because it was the best chance he had to get anything. Lazarus couldn't, he couldn't get there on his own. He was covered in sores. He was sick. He was, he was destitute. He was desperate. And, and he wasn't picky. He would have taken anything that fell from the rich man's table. Uh, and even the dogs came and licked his sores. Some, some people, there's even debate about the dogs. Like some are like, or these the friendly dogs of the rich man who ate the scraps and then they'd come and try to tend to Lazarus a little bit. And some people are like, no, these are probably more like strays walking the street and may have been a dangerous situation for him to be in. So whatever the case is, we get this imagery that he is low. He is very low in society. And the rich man is very high in society. He is, he's comfortable. Very comfortable. And so then death comes. Indiscriminately, death comes to both. Doesn't give a cause of death. We can imagine with Lazarus, it could have been starvation, it could have been whatever illness he was raked with. Um, rich man, he did eat a lot. Um, so that may be some connection there. There may be some sort of a <laughs> connection with how much he ate. And so anyway, regardless of the, of, the, of the reasons, death came to both. And then we see some interesting things unfold. It says that the poor man went to Abraham's side, or maybe your copy of God's scripture says Abraham's bosom. And so it's, this, it's the idea of he was embraced by the faithful. Um, that, this, was a, this was a symbolic... Um, <clears throat> almost euphemistic understanding of what heaven was like. The faithful would go to Abraham's side or the faithful would go to Abraham's bosom. It was, a, it was an understanding among faithful Jews that that's what would happen to those who were right in, in God's favor. In, in eternity, you would be there. So it's basically a picture of heaven. And so that's the understanding we have here is that, the, that Lazarus died and went to heaven. And and we'll look at why he went to heaven here in just a second. But the, but the rich man, he died too. <clears throat> and he went to hell. He went to Hades and he was in torment. And so we have this vivid, the, the scene is vivid at the beginning. Now it's getting intense. And so you have the, these two situations. And, <clears throat> and so uh, and he cries out. He says, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am in anguish in this flame. So the rich man is in hell. He, in this parable, now, this parable, like many parables, there's a lot of debate. Was this actually a true story that Jesus was retelling and as, it's, as a parable? Or was it just a parable for illustrative uh, circumstances? Um, we, well, the debates are out there, and y'all can have fun looking them up if you want to. There, there's plenty on both sides. I kind of think it may be a little both and um, because of, of some of the details, but, uh, but I do want you to understand this. this. This idea of someone speaking from hell to someone in heaven, this is probably most, this is most likely just to illustrate the story. Um, there's nowhere else in scripture that, that, that evidences that people in hell will be able to We'll be able to speak to anyone in heaven. Um, there's nothing like that. So 
this element is probably more to be understood. This is a man in hell who is appealing to heaven. This is a man who is in his torment is appealing to heaven. And so this discourse, don't, don't play too much into that, all right? Um, as far as this is the way things are. I think I'm comfortable enough saying that this is, this is a storytelling element for us to understand the bigger picture. And so the man is having this discourse with Abraham, not with Lazarus, though. Isn't that interesting? He's, he's, so he's discourse with Abraham. He's discoursing with heaven. He's, he's speaking to his situation. It's very interesting what he appeals for. His, his desire, his appeal is, is for relief. His appeal is for relief, uh, not an appeal of his sentence. Hang on to that one for a minute. In his appeals here, he has two, he has two requests of heaven. He has two requests of Abraham. And not once does he say, can I have a retrial? I'm in the wrong place. I'm not supposed to be here. Think about that one for a second. We'll come back to it. So then, then as, as he is having this, this discourse, Abraham's like, no, you, and he has this, he has this reasoning. He said, Lazarus was dealt a bad hand, and so now he's getting reward. You were, you were given good things, and so now you're getting the opposite. Um, however, there's some things that get twisted at this point. Some people even in today's society, think that if you have means, if you have wealth, if you have the cars, if you have the suits, if you have the, the, the sumptuous food, uh, that God is blessing you and that you are good with the Lord, that you're fine, like you, you are in right standing with God and this is proof of God's favor on you. You don't have to worry about anything because you're rich. Oh, they wouldn't say it that way, but that's kind of the sentiment that goes on. It's even alive today. And back then, it was very much alive to the people that Jesus was addressing. You see, right before this passage, in Luke 16, um, if you go back to verse 14, it says, The Pharisees, who were lovers of money, heard all these things, and they ridiculed him. And he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. So, that was the idea. Like, if I've got money, then God loves me, and I'm good to go forever. Uh, and that's all, that, that's all I need to know. And so I, just, I, I, I display this with, with a certain, certain pride and arrogance, and I live my life within my means, comfortably, so that God may be glorified. He is, it, 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 see how it kind of spins? Like, God's so good with me. He likes me being rich. He likes me living this way. He likes me to do things with my money the way I feel like I want to he ate sumptuously and feasted daily. He was clothed in purple. He liked the attention. He liked the, the position. And so, <clears throat> and then you have Lazarus. Well, well, Lazarus was, does that mean he was punished? Well, the Pharisees may have thought that. They may have thought that poor man like that just deserved it. Something, something that their parents did, perhaps. A sin that was caused by one of their parents, perhaps that, that cursed him and put him in that position, and so he's getting what he deserves because of sin, just because he's poor. Um, or, which is not right, by the way, or you have the other idea, there's this, um, there's a weird thing called poverty gospel, that basically if you're really poor, then you're, you're of the chosen, 
and, 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 and God has forgiven you already. And so they see Lazarus right here, and it's just because he is destitute, he's got dogs licking his sores, things like this, that God's God, just because he's poor, he's saved. And I want to remind you again, Jesus, before he got into this parable, reminded the Pharisees that it, God looks at your heart. He's been saying this, God's word's been saying this for a long time. The story of David when he was crowned king, all of his big brothers came before him, and they looked regal, and here comes the runt. And God's like, that's the one, because I'm looking at his heart. I'm not looking at the outward appearance. I'm looking at his heart. And then David becomes a great man of God. Uh, and uh, full, with his sores exposed, he still was a man who desired and followed God with his whole heart. And so God looks at our hearts. The truth that we can look at this is that it's not position and, and, and status. God was looking at the rich man's heart. God was looking at Lazarus' heart. There was faith in Lazarus' heart. There was trust and a desperate hope, a living hope we just sang about in, 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 in the Lord. Lazarus, who knew want, who knew what it meant to be without, and who knew what it meant to have hope. He hoped that food would come his way by the gate. And this rich man dives, if you want to give him a name, he, he, didn't, he didn't oblige him. We see no evidence that he did. I can speculate. Maybe one time he did, and that's why Lazarus gets laid at this gate. Or maybe, his, maybe the people who come to his feast, maybe there's something there from them sometimes. Because giving to the poor was actually one of those things that society applauded. And you could give to the poor directly, like, like he's asking here, uh, whether it's food or alms of some sort, you could give directly to them, and, and the Pharisees and the religious folks would, oh, that's good, that's, that is righteous and honorable. They would applaud you for that. Or you could just drop it in into different services that were around uh, the cities that would help, so, so social services that were around the cities that would help um, those who were in poverty. Or you could just give it the temple and let it be distributed that way. And so I'm guessing from our passage that this man being robed in purple, Jesus is talking to Pharisees. This is a picture of a Pharisee that we're seeing here. So I'm guessing that he probably would do his best to give to the poor, not directly, not when he sees a need, but he just gave it to church so people could see him drop it in the plate. Because they, and we see that in Scripture too, that the Pharisees would make a big show of their contributions at the temple. And so most likely this guy has done that. It's not that he's not given anything. It's not even that he doesn't go to church. I really, because of the crowd Jesus is talking to, he is hitting them, he is hitting those Pharisees square between the eyes. This is a church going dude who gives his offering, who likes to eat and, uh, and, and live well within his means. And it looks like God's showing him favor. The Pharisees are assuming the same thing about themselves. And Jesus is wrecking them because in his heart he was deceived. In his heart... There was no trust in the Lord. In his heart, there was no, there was no righteous um, uh, beating going on. It was dead. Yet in Lazarus' heart, someone who knew, and, who knew want and knew desperate hope, he had found that there was one. There was one that he could continue to hope in. It would never let him down. And that was the living God. He knew that. The only reason I even say that is because Lazarus is in heaven. Lazarus is, is, is partaking in God's graciousness toward those who believe in him. Why there are circumstances on earth? Don't know. Perhaps Lazarus was this rich man's opportunity 
to be broken before the Lord and do right? I don't know. But here we have the, the condition of their heart is pretty evident. And then once he's been told, no, no, Lazarus is not going to quench your thirst. It is funny that the rich man may have had, felt like he still had some dominion over Lazarus in this, that he's calling him out. I don't, I don't know. Maybe Lazarus was the only person in heaven he recognized. Um, that could be the possibility too. But whatever the case is, he gets told, no, no, Lazarus is not going to come and, and give you a drink. And then the appeal, well, I've got five brothers. Somebody go, send Lazarus to go and tell them. Because they're going to they're gonna be just like me. I know my brothers. They're going to be here too. And heaven replies, Abraham replies, no, they've got, the, they've got the word. They've got Moses and the prophets. They've got the Bible, in other words. And so they've got all they need. A dead man's not going to make any difference if they don't listen to that. So, again, we kind of walked through that a little bit. Let me, let me, let me make some points here. Comfort, we need to be cautious with Comfort. All right? We need to be really, really cautious with comfort. This is why comfort will make you a lazy Christian. Comfort, comfort um, for, makes us forget that we are relying on God. We still need to be like we sung about earlier, desperate for you, the Lord. Desperate for Him. Our daily bread is right here. We, but when we get comfortable within our means, uh, we don't we don't always recognize God. We don't always think about Him and His provision. We don't always question Him about things that we're, we're doing. We make our plans. We do our thing. And, but like, like Addison read earlier, we do so with kind of a very prideful attitude. I'm going to do this and this and this, but we have no idea what tomorrow brings. Death is indiscriminate. And we have no idea when, it, when, when it's coming for us. So we should say, if the Lord wills, we should do thus and thus. But comfort gets us to a place where we forget to ask that. There's a proverb that's really interesting. It's kind of a hard proverb that, that someone asked. The words of Agur, uh, interesting proverb, chapter 30, is if you've never read it, you should check it out. It's worded differently than, than the rest of them. But the words of Agur, chapter 30 of Proverbs, verses 7 through 9, says this. Two things have asked, I ask of you. Deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Okay, that sounds good. I don't want to be a liar. Do you want to be a liar? Are you lying? I mean, that's, that's, nobody wants to be a liar. No one wants to be lied to, and you certainly, I hope that you don't want to be accused of a liar. So this, so far we're tracking with these, with this proper pretty good. Then he says this, um, feed me with the food that is needful for me. In other words, give me, provide enough. Lest I be full and, uh, and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of the Lord God. This prayer, this request, is an urgent desperation not to defame the name of God. Either by stealing for food because you're poor, or by forgetting God, which is what comfort does, and denying Him. Who's God? Like, I, don't even, I, don't, I don't even consider the Lord when I make my choices. I don't even consider His presence, His goodness. I don't consider what's going on when I do what I do. And people, our world is full of examples of this. And, and so we, we must be cautious with comfort because it makes us lazy. Be cautious with comfort because it also makes us murderous, callous. The rich man, most likely, I'm surprised he even knew Lazarus' name. 
Perhaps eternity is why he knew his name. I don't know. But his actions to Lazarus, or his inaction to Lazarus, I have a feeling I know what happened. He became callous. He was prideful. Lazarus was not a person. He was a nuisance. He smelled bad. He was always at his gate. People talked, and he didn't like the talk that people were giving him. We can get comfortable. We can get really comfortable when we start dehumanizing people. We start just labeling them with something. Um, our country is doing this like crazy. It's just left, right, left, right, blue, red, blue, red, blue. I mean, it's just over and over again, and it's getting ridiculous. Um, there's been some antics going on lately that some of it's kind of comical, uh, some of it, <laughs> and, and sad and twisted at the same time. But it's just, it's just, let's just give, they're not people, they're just this. Lazarus was most likely not a person to the rich man. He was just a nuisance. He was a fixture. He was a rock that he had to walk by, a smelly rock, stinky rock that he had to walk by at his gate. And his guests had to walk by the stinky, smelly thing that was sitting there every day. We, I did a thing years ago about zombies <laughs> uh, with our youth. Uh, and we talked about zombies on, on Wednesday night because zombies, uh, that whole genre of zombie lore came out in the 60s. And, um, and, and I think I've even shared it from the platform here before. But the thing about zombies that's so interesting to me is that you have someone who's, you have this monster that's almost a person, but not really a person. And so you can, you can attack them and you can go after them. They're a monster. You can go after them like crazy. You can do all this crazy stuff to them. And... And now we have, you know, there's, this, there's zombie hysteria that's all around the country. Some of you, I bet, have a zombie kit, don't you? Uh-huh, I can tell. Yeah, mm -hmm. some of you do. Uh, it's just this hysteria that has grown since over the decades. But the reason is because those monsters aren't, they used to be people, but they're not anymore. They're dehumanized, and so they can be attacked. They can be talked about. They can be, be lashed out after with, with, no, with, no, uh, with full prejudice and no, no remorse. When we get comfortable, guys... When we get comfortable, we, we tend to do that. We tend to do that. Why am I saying that? Like, shouldn't I be talking to other people about this kind of thing? Well, comfort also deceives you. We've got to be cautious with comfort because it makes us lazy Christians. It makes us callous, but it also deceives you. Look at this story, and I bet you... What you want to do is you want to personalize the story when you read it. And I bet you when you personalize it, you're putting yourself in Lazarus' shoes. I'm going to heaven. I'm in Lazarus' boat. I, that, that, I under, I've, I've been without before. I've, had to, I've been thirsty before. I've been hungry before. I relate to Lazarus. There is not a person in here who lives like Lazarus. We all live like the rich man. You know how I know that? Because none of you have a dirt floor. All of you have meals. You have three meals a day if you want. We, we in America, we, all of us, we are more like the rich man. That's why we have to be very, very cautious with this parable and understand the, the dangers of comfort. We will have debates in just a few minutes about where lunch is. We... <laughs> um, Several of you had options this morning, very serious options about which shoes to wear. And, and you had opinions to be asked and things like this. This went on at your house. 
Probably went on in my house. Um, we, 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 we live in comfort. Compared to object poverty, um, the, and I don't care where you rank socioeconomically, some have more than others. Yes, I get that. But understand that when you look at this, do not be deceived. We really need to be paying attention to this rich guy. And we really, really need to be understanding that that is more like what we do than what Lazarus does. This guy was religious. He was a churchgoer. He was comfortable. And he didn't like to get interrupted. He gave, and he gave at church, and he did not want to help throughout the week. He did not want to get his hands dirty with real-life interactions. And honestly... I've been guilty of that before, if I'm going to be just transparent with you. The Bible tells us that too, like ministry is dirty. It, it, it just comes up um, and, and that you, to, to see ministry and to see, it, see God really work in your life, you're going to have to get your hands dirty. You're going to have to get in there. You're going to have to look at people and see them as someone that Jesus died for. You're going to have to understand that you have opportunity, if they're put before you, you have opportunity for some reason to take advantage of that opportunity for, for kingdom's sake. Maybe it is to help someone in their need in the moment. Maybe it's to disciple someone. Maybe it's to, uh, maybe it's to come along as a young couple and help them in the early years of their marriage so you can see it uh, stronger. Maybe, they, maybe it's looking and seeking out um, finding a, a young person, a college-age student, a young career person, or a youth, and uh, finding out what their name is. And not just labeling them with one of those things I just said, but like, this, this person has a name, and I need to interact with them. Or, other way around, hey, maybe you're younger, and instead of just saying, oh, that's, you know, put a label on someone who's older than you, maybe I need to interact with them. I need to find out them. They've got cool stories. You just haven't heard them yet. We need to keep the vividness, the aliveness of people around us very real in our minds. We cannot walk through our society, we cannot walk through our jobs, we cannot walk through our, our town just seeing people as zombies. I don't have to engage with them because they're not real people. They're already dead and so I don't have to do anything with them. They're dead to me at least. This, this was evidence of the rich man's true heart intentions. And so we, we've got to be very cautious with comfort. Um, let's look at this other part of this story, though. There's this, there's this big lesson to, and warning about comfort that we need, to, we need to pay attention to. But I'm not saying that your works are going to get you to heaven or anything like that. I am saying that if you have means, and like I said, if you're not living on a dirt, with a dirt floor, um, you've got means of some sort. You should ask the Lord what he would have you do with them. Um, and it doesn't matter the, the, the amount or whatever. God, why do I have what I have? What, can you, what do you want to do with it? And, it's, and that shows evidence of your engaging in the Lord, of, of you knowing that God has all things, not you and your plans and your planner. And so it gives you opportunity to seize moments that God brings into your life. And yet you may have to spend something. And that may be monetary. That may be time. That may be, uh, that, that may be something that's a little bit um, more than comfortable. <laughs> you may have to be a little uncomfortable. But God's like, I'm okay with you being uncomfortable if you're growing. 
Because I'm going to give you some reasons to grow. I'm going to give you opportunities to get to know me better. I'm going to give you opportunities to obey so that you can have a faith that is vibrant and healthy and growing. And, and so I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm okay with you being uncomfortable doing things that I'm leading you to do. God, God is completely okay with that. Um, and so we need to be cautious and we need to look at our own hearts and check your status. What is your status with the Lord? Remember, he sees the heart. Just because Lazarus was poor, that did not automatically send him to heaven. He was faithful to the Lord. He believed in God. He trusted in the Lord. Do you trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior? Do you know him? Do you know that you know him? Because eternity comes quick. And it's final. The rich man never appealed his sentence. The only time in Scripture we see someone trying to argue at judgment is in Matthew when they say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do these things in your name? And he says, depart from me, I never knew you. Once judgment is rendered, there's no debate anymore. When you see Jesus and he tells you your eternal fate, you will not argue. There's no argument to be had at that moment. I don't care who you are, what your background is. Anyone, when you exit this life and step into eternity... And you see Jesus face to face. What is said, heaven, hell, you will not argue. There is not a person in hell today that does not think they deserve to be there. They 100% agree with the fact that they're there. They do not like that they're there. But they 100% agree that they should be there and they should not be in the presence of God because they did not trust him. They did not follow him. They rejected Christ. Therefore, they deserve what they've gotten. They got a glimpse of him when they died and they realized how unworthy they were. That scares me a lot because a lot of people just don't know and ignorance is not an excuse. And so check your status. You yourself, check yourself first. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's all of us. That's all encompassing. No exceptions. Romans 6.23, I love this one. Because it's everything on one little verse. The wages of sin is death. This was the law. This was the law and prophets. This was Moses and the prophets that is talked about later on in this passage. This is, this is what it said. The law points out our sin. It shows us what we deserve. So the wages of sin is death. What you earn is death. Same verse says, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. Have you accepted the free gift? Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Do you know that you are in fellowship with him? Do you know that when you exit this life and step into eternity, you, do you already know what the judgment will be rendered? Will you be called a child of God? I know I am. And I'm so grateful. Lazarus was. Rich man was not. And his status did not help him any. In fact, it probably turned him away from the Lord more than helped him get there. And so it's final. Check your status. It's final. Um, there's no arguments there. And then what's crazy is, I heard someone else say this too. Um, this week when we were talking about this, this, I think Bobby is the one who said it. That he, he quoted somebody, I think. He said, the hell is full of evangelists. That's so true. And that's exactly what we see here. 
please, okay, you're not going to help me out, then please, second appeal, go to my brothers because they're going to be right here too. Go tell them I don't want them to be here with me. Makes sense. It's a good appeal. And the answer was not what he wanted to hear either. He, this is a man who was so opulent, he, he was used to getting everything he wanted. He got nothing he wanted in this story. But this, it's the truth of the matter. This, this word, the living word of God, is powerful. It's strong. And it points us to the Lord. Everything you need to know is right here. Everything you need to know about salvation, right here. Everything you need to know about God, there's a lot more to God than what we have here. But everything that you need to know about God is right here. There'll be more to discover when we get there in, in person. But everything you need to know is right here. Everything that can change your life is right here. Everything that can change your neighbor's life, your family member's life, it's right here. It's all right here. The Word of God is powerful. And so once you check your status and you see where you're at, if you do not know Jesus as Lord and Savior, then did you hear the word I just said? That free gift is available for you today. If you do know your status as, as a Christ follower, as a child of God, then I want you to be a little bit more equipped with this word. It's not just knowing it, it's using it. It is something that is to be used and to share. If you share the word, what's going to happen to you? Your faith's going to grow. You, because you're going to have to speak up. You're going to have to act on what you have learned and what you've read as God, as God journeys with you, as he's teaching you specific things about your life that's going on, as he highlights different things in your word. As you go, you are going to have to take action. And as you do, your faith will grow because you're going to have to trust the Lord. God is really, really good at bringing us the stuff that we can't handle because he wants us to trust him. And he does so frequently. So that we may trust him, so that we may see God's hand at work in our lives in a personal way, so that we may have a story to tell other people of what, what he's doing. I've seen him do things in our own life from minor things, uh, providing means to, to pay bills or, or whatever, which were not minor at the time, to even greater things, giving us hope in desperate, uh, de desperate circumstances and, um, and dire uh, uh, situations in our life. I, I've seen God do things that, without trusting in him, I've never seen it. Many of you have similar stories, and they're awesome stories, that you need to remind yourself of and hold on, and then to keep doing Keep adding to, your, to your, uh, your notebook of stories that God has brought you uh, through different circumstances. And you'll do so as you follow him in his word. Be a student and a doer of this word. And you will see your faith grow. And when your faith starts to grow, others will catch on. Others will be like, wait, what's happening right here? Like, why, why are you different? Why, why is it when you speak of Jesus, it's like you know him. And when so-and-so speaks of Jesus, it's like they know about him. I want us all to be the first, the former right there. We, we, we need to strive to be people who hang out with the Lord and his word, who really know him. And when we speak of Jesus, it is with a tone of familiarity because we do, we've done life with him and we're practicing it. And others will see that and they're like, I want that. I don't understand it, but I want that. Other believers who are young in their, in their faith, they're going to be like, yeah, I, that's, that's where I need to get. 
And others who don't know him, they're like, I need that peace. Whatever that is, I need it. Speak more. Show me this word. And as you do that, the word will spread. The word will spread and the message will be heard. It, and it doesn't take something miraculous, crazy, a man coming back from the dead. That's what the, that's what the rich man was asking for. And Abraham, Ab- heaven was saying, they've got everything they need. They just need to listen. And we need, we need to be about speaking that truth so that people can listen and hear it. So, again, some takeaways. Be very cautious with comfort. Do not be deceived by that. Check your status. Where are you at with the Lord? Do you know him? Do you not know him? There's a finality to that. And I don't say that to, to try to coerce or scare you. Um, it's, just a, it's just the reality. And I don't want to deceive you by smoothing over it. And then, what are you doing with God's word? Is it on a shelf? Or is it active? Are you wielding it? Not just learning it, but are you wielding it in day-to-day conversations as you encounter people and opportunities that come before you on a daily basis? You never know when opportunities are going to come. Pretty sure Kamala Harris did not know that she was going to have some visitors this past week. Um, if you were kept up with the news. Um, opportunities may come in different ways. Um, but as a believer, as people come before you as you encounter folks, don't see, don't, don't see them as an object. Don't let your comfort get callous, make your heart callous. Engage. Let the living hope that you have within you come out and spread. I think we'll see revival. I think you personally will be revived as you allow God to do his thing in your life. And you'll have another story to tell. Many, hopefully, of God's faithfulness and goodness. So um, we're going to pray here in just a second. And after we pray, we're going we're to sing a song. I surrender all. There is, this, there is this feeling of desperation in this. As you see Lazarus' plight, he is so desperate. And we do feel for him. But understand there is a spiritual desperation that... Either we need, because we've allowed ourselves to get too comfortable and prideful, or we need to embrace and and help others get there. But the surrender of everything so that God may have glory, we need that. We're about to sing that song, and I hope that uh, that's something that you you can sing and sing it honestly as you sing these words. If you need to talk to me about surrender, um, maybe you've just been living too comfortable and you want to repent, um, I... You don't repent to me, but if you want me to help pray with you through that, that's, I'll be right down here. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but you really want to, you want to have that dealt, please, let's talk. Um, I'm going to stand here for a little bit uh, while, while the song's going, and then, um, then we'll close out. So let me pray. God, thank you for today. I thank you for your word, Lord. I thank you for this, this uh, wonderful and uh, <laughs> kind of mysterious parable that you taught, Lord. The audience did not like it. This was not a popular story to be told that day. As the Pharisees heard you basically lay out their situation. And this rich man is not named God because you were basically telling them and us to fill in the blank. There's a blank space there, and if we're not careful, that's got our name in it. But Lord, I pray that we, we can leave here today confident that we are more, more, more like Lazarus. 
faithfully trusting in you, no matter our circumstances here on earth, no matter our plight right now, that we are hearts full of faith and a knowing hope that you are our Savior and our God and that you never change and your steadfastness is with us through every circumstance and situation. Thank you, God, for teaching us still, Lord Jesus, with these wonderful teachings you have for us. May we be good students and practice them well. In Jesus' name, amen.